Father, we thank you so much for your loving kindness and the multitude of your mercies. You are a great God, and we honor you. I thank you for the privilege of being here today at the Heartland Church. I pray that you guide us and lead us, O oh Father, that you would allow me for these few moments to be your mouthpiece, your conduit. Allow me, God, to be your instrument. Let hearts be open and receptive and allow your name to get the glory. I'll say whatever you tell me to say and do whatever you tell me to do. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for touching lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. I meant to ask God, Lord, please let these white people like me. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> but he, he knows my heart. I want to honor your pastor. He's an, y'all know y'all have an incredible pastor. Do you know that? He's a great guy. Let's salute him. Uh, honored that he asked me to come. I also honor uh, Dr. Gary Romeyer, who is one of our uh, presidents of the districts. And uh, we honor you, Gary, for your work to plant a church like this in this area. You've impacted lives by your work and your effort. Glad to see my very dear friend, Pastor Jeffrey Johnson. This man has been preaching at our church for, matter of fact, he, he comes every year. And uh, he has sold more tapes and people come by the thousands. Y'all, if, y'all, if y'all haven't heard him, you need to be here tomorrow. I'm the warm-up for the um, Grand Slam hitter here. He's a tremendous guy, and I'm glad to see him, along with his sons in the ministry, my friends James Johnson and Eric Wiggins. Glad to see them. My wife released me to be here with you tonight. Yeah, I have to get permission from her before I leave. And uh, never mind that she's out of the country, but she said it was okay for me to come. Um, And my church. There are people at our church tonight praying for the service tonight and praying for you. Um, I've been married to my wife for 32 years. Come on, get it. That's an amen right there. If, if y'all can't say amen on that, this is going to be a long sermon. Maybe you can't say amen because you don't understand that that's a miracle that anybody can stay with me for 32 years. We've got six kids, six children. Amen. I heard some wilds on that one right there. Yes. We've got six kids. And uh, my oldest is Sarah. She's 27. Uh, uh, she's a teacher in Florida. Joshua is uh, 25. He's a police officer in our community. Anna is 24. She works for the Secret Service. I would tell you what she does, but I'd have to kill you after I tell you. Uh, Jimmy, the terror of my life, is 21 in college. Um, If we had had him first, we wouldn't have any more kids than we had. Natalie is 15, John Jr. is 13. And they keep my life busy and occupied. But I want to talk to you today, there was a season in my wife's life during her walk with God when she questioned whether or not God heard her prayers. Now, I know y'all have probably never had that kind of drama in your life. It happened right around the time when, when her mother and her father both passed within a few years of each other. And she felt discouraged. She felt down. She felt troubled because she had prayed for her father who had, got, who had gotten cancer and, and he ultimately passed. And then her mother one day suddenly had a heart attack and never recovered. And she felt isolated and alone. And it put me on a journey because of my love and my concern for my wife to find out why she was feeling that way. And it sent me on a journey to say to God, 
why didn't you answer that prayer? Y'all might not want to admit it, but, but we got to come to grips with the reality that God is not obligated to answer all of our prayers. Amen. I'm going to say I'm going to have to encourage myself while I'm preaching here today. Amen, Pastor Jenkins. I'm going to have to say that to myself. I went on a journey to study and research to find out what causes God to respond, what causes God not to respond. And during the course of that, I, 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 I learned and I saw some places where God gave clarity about, about specific reasons that would prohibit him from answering prayers. Now, I know that y'all don't have that problem here because I know everybody here, every prayer that you ask God, he answers every one of your prayers. <laughs> Amen. But my wife has reached a state in her life where now today, when she prays, I mean, she is a prayer warrior and God responds to her prayers. As a matter of fact, I tell folk, don't come to me and ask me to pray. Talk to my wife. God answers her prayers. Women who couldn't have kids, couples who couldn't have kids would come to her and ask her to pray. And she would pray for them and an amazing thing would happen. They would get pregnant and have kids. God is responding to her prayers. She is a woman of faith and prayer. In the course of my journey to find out, I discovered five reasons that God sometimes will not answer prayer. Five things that will cause God to answer prayer. Matter of fact, in, in Isaiah 59, let me start off right here, and I'm, I'm going to be reading from the New King James translation, the only authorized translation that there is. <laughs> Here's what verse 1 says. Behold, the, Lord, the Lord's hand, Isaiah 59, 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. It is not a question of whether God has the ability to hear, because God can hear, and God will hear. The question is what causes him not to respond. And the reason that's important is because of this. As you go along in life, you're going to need to see God respond to your issues and your dramas and your pains and your concerns in life. And when you go to God with an issue and a problem and you talk to him about a burden of your heart that you've discussed with nobody else but God and you see him step to the plate and answer the very thing that you prayed about, it makes you be assured that there is a God that is alive and well. Can I get an amen right there from one or two people? It's going to be important that you, that you are able to get through to God and that God responds to your prayers. Because his ear, it's not that his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. God can hear and God will respond. So why doesn't he respond? What causes God not to have the ability to respond to our prayers? Five things. Here's number one. Number one is found in James chapter 4 and verse 3. Let me read it to you. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The word amiss means that you, you ask God for something and he doesn't give it to you because you're asking for selfish reasons. You've got selfish motives. It's not about advancing the kingdom of God. It's about fulfilling your own passions. Why should God give you a car, a brand new car, even though you're saying you're going to pick up people and take them to church, you know, the saints get real spiritual when they want something from God. God, if you give me a new car, I'll pick up the saints and take them to church. Why would God trust you with a new car to pick up folk to bring them to church and you're not bringing nobody to church in the hoopty that you got right now? 
Why would he give you a brand new house? Because you say, if he gives me a brand new house, I'll let the homeless sleep and I'll give a room to somebody and I'll let cousin so-and-so stay there. Why would God give you a bigger house when you ain't letting nobody stay on the couch that ain't nobody sleeping on in your house right now? Preach on, Pastor Jenkins. We ask amiss. We, we, we live in a culture today and we live in a society where everything centers around people's desires. It's no longer about the kingdom of God. It's no longer about moving forward and reaching people and helping people. Everything centers around me, myself, and I. People come to church if they feel like they can get something from it. If they're going to benefit. It's no longer about advancing the kingdom of God. And, 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 and James says right here in this verse... You ask things of God and he does not respond to you because what you're asking God to do is for your own selfish purposes. I know that y'all don't want to say amen to that, but that's the reality of the fact. He said, you ask him is that you might consume it, that you might spend it on your own lustful pleasures. It's about you and not about God. So somewhere down along the journey, we need God to reach in our hearts. Here's what God will do. God will do a supernatural thing and lay you down and slit you open and reach down and take your stony heart out and give you a heart of flesh and give you compassion for his kingdom and for his things and make you understand that life is not all about thee. Number two, here's the second reason God will not answer prayer. It's in 1 John chapter 5. Let me read that to you. It's crystal clear. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Let me read those verses to you. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Here's what verse 14 says. He says, we can be confident. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God says, I can't answer your prayer because some of the stuff you ask you for is not in, your, is in his will. Now, I had to come to grips with that, and some of y'all probably have had come, come to grips with that too. I can look back over my life and think about some things that I asked God for that if he had given them to me, it would have messed up my life. And I can look back and say, God, thank you for not giving me what I asked for. And that came crystal clear to me when I look back at some of the girlfriends I used to have that I wanted to be married to. And I can look back and say, God, thank you that you didn't let me marry that person. Come on. Do I have any witnesses to that thing right here? It is not God's will. You cannot just bring anything and twist God's arm and make God do. You do know that there's a theology that goes around in this country that makes folk believe that they can twist God's arm and make God do anything. But here's the reality of the fact. You cannot force God to do what it is that he has not determined in his will to be done. You cannot force God. You can't bend his arm. You can't make it do it. You can name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You can do whatever you want to do. You can't force God to do something that he has not decreed. Excuse me for a second. Preach on, Pastor Jenkins. I have to encourage. I'm trying to get him warmed up for you, Jeffrey Johnson, tomorrow. This is a tough crowd. 
There's no need of you asking God to help somebody else get divorced so you can marry that person. That's not in his will. Don't ask him to help you win the lottery. Do y'all have the lottery here in, in Indiana? The Lord did not give you the numbers. No need in asking him that. But if we can find a biblical basis, a biblical truth to hang our hat on, then we can make our request of God. Based on biblical truth, not based on things outside of what God has determined. As a matter of fact, I can hear some folk talking to me sometimes. Pastor, come, can you pray with me about this? And I can clearly say to them, no, I can't pray with you about that because that's not God's will for you. If we ask it according to his will, he hears us. Let me roll on to number three real quick. It's in Psalm 66, verse 18. Here's what it says. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Here's what God is telling us. If I have in my heart, and the word heart there in the Hebrew means your feelings and thoughts, your emotions and your thinking. If I regard in my heart. And matter of fact, here's the key word. The key word here is regard. Because the word regard here in the Hebrew means to see. If I see iniquity, if I can visualize it in my mind, if I, can, if I can visualize it in my heart, if I can look at it and picture it in my mind, God says that right there will stop him from hearing your prayers. Now, that's deep right there. That's a serious thing right there. Y'all, y'all probably don't, let, don't sleep there because here's what God's saying. You don't have to do the sin for him to not hear you. All you got to do is see it in your mind. Picture it in your heart. Picture it in your imaginations. God says, when you do that, I'm not going to have the capacity to hear you. As a matter of fact, God says this. And here's what I put this in. I put this under the category of sin. And I put it under the category of sin because not just because of what you do, but also simply because of what you ponder, what you think, what you meditate on. You see, it's one thing to let a bird fly by and just go on and keep on flying. It's another thing to beckon the bird to come down and land and build a nest. It's one thing to let the thought pass by. It's another thing to entertain the thought and feed the thought and play the picture of the thought and roll a movie in your mind. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Act like I don't know what I'm talking about. Just... God says when you ponder that in your heart, when you look at it, and see, we got issues with people in the church because we know how to look at sin on all angles. You don't understand. We look at it from the front, from the back, from the top, from the bottom. We know how to put it in our mind and picture it. And God says when you don't get control of your thought life and you don't get thought, get control of your emotions, he says it, it wedges and puts a wall between me and you. Is what God says. So we got we to get our thoughts, life under control. We got to get our emotions under control. Second Corinthians tells us we have, to, we have to examine every thought. And any thought that comes against the knowledge of God, we got to arrest that joker and kick it out. A thought comes wandering around in your mind that you know is not right, not righteous, and not holy. You got to jack that joker up. You got to arrest it and say, get out of here. 
Because if I let you hang around, because you know, when these thoughts come, they don't come by themselves. And when they come, they have babies. <laughs> they come, they start families. And before you know it, you got a whole family living in, in a whole family of a, 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 along a certain thought pattern living in your mindset. And if you don't learn how to get control of that, it'll drive a wedge between you and God, and you're wondering why God's not hearing you. Matter of fact, a step further in sin, let me read Proverbs 28 and 9. Here's what this says. It too talks about sin, and I want to give this new dimension to it as well. Proverbs 28:9 says this: "One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, God says, their prayer will be an abomination. You don't want to hear the word. You're not about in being into the scriptures. Now I know y'all don't have a problem here, but in, in the in in the in the capital of the United States of America, they do not want to hear the word of God. There are people today that will get up and walk out in the middle of a sermon because they don't want to hear the word of God. God says when you turn your back on it, when everything else becomes important and you turn your back on it, God says your prayers become an abomination to me. Let me go on and close this dynamic message <laughs> with which you guys are so enthusiastically receiving. And let me give you number four. The fourth reason why God will not hear your prayer. First Peter chapter three and verse seven. Now, this is one of those verses that if I had the ability to take any verse out of the Bible, this is the verse I would take out. Husbands. Dwell with your wives with understanding. Giving honor to the wife has to the weaker vessel and has being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, why did God have to go and mess up the whole Bible by putting that verse in there? Husbands, dwell with your wives according to to knowledge, the King James says. New King James says, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to her. God, God challenged me on this because I was, for a long time, a very insensitive husband. My wife be doing something and I just, if she be watching TV, I come in and change the channel. Especially this football season, you know, it's just, the game is on. Oh, y'all not excited about that right now here in Indianapolis. <laughs> I'm from Baltimore. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I changed the channel. I had no regard. I was insensitive. I've been on a campaign to try to teach men the big bird word, sensitivity. Because God said to me in no uncertain terms that if I wanted him to answer my prayers, I had to live with my, my wife and dwell with her better than I had dwelt with her. I had to live with her according to understanding. I had to try to understand her. As difficult as it is for a man to understand a woman, I had to try. I'm trying to, try, I'm trying to help you ladies out. Y'all better come on and cheer brother on. I had to learn how to dwell with her in understanding, and, and um, I, had, I had just disregarded her. I, I remember my wife, I bought her some curtains one time for, 
um, I bought her some curtains for the living room. And uh, she was so excited. And one day after she got the curtain, she was sitting in the living room looking at the curtains. So she asked me to come in and sit down and look at the curtains with her. But y'all know I'm an important man. I'm, I, I got meetings to have. I got ministry. I got souls to save. I have sermons to prepare. I have phone calls to make. I ain't got no time. I know that's not good English, but it's good preaching. I ain't got no time to sit down and look at no curtains. And I blew her off and went on about my way. And that's when God had gotten enough of my mess and called me to this verse and told me that if I expected him to hear my prayers, I had better be more sensitive to her. I had dis. Come on, ladies. I'm trying to help y'all out. Y'all are funny. <laughs> and so I had, to, I had to enter into her world. I had to enter into my wife's world. That's what I had to do. I wanted God to answer my prayers. And God said, you better get into and be sensitive and dwell with your wife and understand her. So I had to try to look at life from her perspective. And so I started going shopping with her. And I, I started uh, looking at the home and garden channel with her. I couldn't believe it. I started watching the home and gardening channel with my wife. It used to be a fight over who's going to watch what on what show, what television channel. It used to be a fight, but I, I, I would not come and just change the channel. I would sit down and watch the show with her. And I remember right as we were in this transition time, I remember one day there was going to be a big basketball game, a college basketball. The University of Maryland was going to be playing the University of Duke, Duke, Duke University. And I knew I was going to have to fight over whether I was going to get to watch the game or not. And, and, and. Thank God, God's a wonderful God. God heard my prayer and she had a meeting at church that night. But I knew God had done something in my heart because while Merlin was playing the university, Duke University in commercials and at halftime, I was switching over to the Home and Gardening Channel to see what's going on. And so I, had, I have engaged in her world. I bought her some curtains for the dining room. And this time when she was sitting in there looking at the, the curtains in the dining room, I didn't wait for her to ask me to come and sit because I knew she wasn't going to ask me. And so when she was sitting in there minding the curtains in the dining room, I went in there and sat down next to her. Go, John Jacob. And uh, we weren't saying nothing. We were just sitting there looking at the curtains. And I finally broke the silence. And I said and did like this. I said, baby, those are the prettiest curtains I've ever seen in my life. And the way they're hanging... She said, they're not curtains, they're drapes. And she straightened me out. I engaged in my wife's world and I discovered that there's something special about harmony in marriage. And when a man is sensitive to his wife, that causes the ear of God 
to bend over and incline to the cry of a man who is sensitive to his wife. Look at all the ladies clapping. Ain't none of the brothers clapping. But I believe the principle goes both ways. I believe women need to be sensitive to their husbands too. I'm trying to help you out now, brothers. Y'all need to come on and help me. I believe the principle is still the same. I think what women ought to enter into the world of their husbands and engage whatever of, is of importance to their husbands. And let me tell you something. God, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> Amen. And listen, ladies, giving a man and entering to his world doesn't take a whole lot. It's just, it's a, it's just a few choices of what's really needed. And you enter into that world, he's fine. A friend of mine was preaching at his church in uh, Seattle, Washington. He was preaching and said to the women, sex is the most important thing to your husband and it's important. And he was driving it on and boom, 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 and just said, preaching about how important sex was to a man. And, and, and one of his families, a couple in the church, on the way home, the wife was baffled. And she said to her husband on the way home, sex, is really sex that important to you? Is it, is it the... The way the pastor was talking, it's like it's the number one thing in the world. Is it that important to you? And the husband said, baby, it's number one, number two, number three. Y'all can't handle the truth, can y'all? Y'all can't handle the truth. There's something about the sensitivity between a man and a woman that God says, when you do this, I will not your prayers will not be hindered. That word hindered in the, in the Greek means cut off. God says, I won't cut off your prayers. And I've discovered since I've become sensitive to my wife and engaged in her world, going shopping with her, watching the Home and Gardening channel, listening to her talk. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. That I see God responding to my prayers in supernatural ways. Let me close this, this final point. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. Let me read it to you. It's a little lengthy, but y'all ain't got no way to go. Just, just hold on for a minute. Verse 14, chapter 17. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Here, here, here is the point. He says, because of your unbelief, you cannot accomplish what it is you wanted to do. I want to close this message by telling you that one of the reasons God doesn't answer our prayers is because when we go to him in prayer, we really don't believe that he can answer it. 
there's a big question mark in the back of our mind as to whether or not God has the ability and the capacity and the desire to do it. But Jesus said to his disciples with, with specifically <laughs> and with clarity, he says, when you come to me, you must first believe that I am, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 11, and that I am a reward of those who diligently seek, seek me. God says, when you come to me, you got to believe that I can do it. And what keeps so many people from moving forward in the things of God and seeing the power and presence of God moving in their life is they really don't believe. And I have an assignment today to tell you that we serve a God that has the power and the might to do the things that you thought he would never be able to do in your life. He is an awesome God. He is a mighty God. He is an incredible God. I look at my life. I look back over my life and I look at where God has brought me. Ah, John Jenkins, you never heard of me. John Jenkins, I pastor a significant church in Washington, D.C. area. Almost 13, 14,000 people each week cramming into our building. I am not supposed to be there. I don't have a college education. I just did make it out of school. I didn't graduate cum laude. Some, some, some cum laude. I graduated. Thank you, Lordy. That's how I graduated. Thank you, Lordy. I don't have seminary training. I'm not in that camp. But God has put his hands on my life because I believe in him that he can take a nobody and make something out of my life and do something fabulous out of my life. We just finished building a $4,062 million facility. $62 million. Somebody tell your neighbor, that's a lot of money. $62 million. That's a lot of money. 4,000 seats, 2,000 parking spaces. And I asked God to help us. And before we had our first service in the building, we had paid for half of the building before our very first service. I'm not supposed to be there but I believe God. I believe God can take a joker like me and do something with my life. A jacked up joker like me and do something incredible. I is the vice president of Converge Worldwide. Without a college education, vice president, VP, Mr. Jenkins to you. vice president of a primarily Anglo organization. And I'm here preaching to all you white people here too. Somebody said, how did you end up in that, that organization? I joined Converge for three reasons. Not because I wanted to get anything from this organization. I didn't join it for that. I joined this organization for three reasons. Number one, I had a heart for, for church planting and this movement was the best at planting churches that I had ever seen. I joined it for that reason. I joined it, number two, because I saw in the organization that they were about empowering churches different from other organizations where it's all about the church helping to empower the organization. They helped to empower the church. And thirdly, I joined them because I wanted diversity. I didn't want our people just to be exposed to 
the black thing all the time. And I joined it and look at what, look at what God did. Raised me up to be a vice president in Converge Worldwide. If God could do that for me, imagine what he could do for you if you just believe that he has a cause for your life. Now, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, and I don't know who you are, but maybe there's somebody who's at the end of that rope, somebody who thinks that God doesn't exist, somebody who has questions about the power and the ability of God. Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't think that God still does miracles. I'm here to tell you today, look at me, I am a walking miracle. And I'm here to tell you today that God is still in the miracle working business. He still answers prayer. He still will lift up burdens. He can still save marriages. He can still give you a job. I don't care what's going on in the world. We serve a God that's an awesome God. And if you cry out to him, he will open up doors for you and do the supernatural for you. I am so grateful you came. I wanted to hear that. I'll hear that. I'll play that tape. I'll play that CD over and over. Because who am I? And who are you? But God does something amazing with a willing heart and an obedient heart. And I can tell you from coming here a few years ago and not knowing one person in this city and seeing how God has used us together. And this is just the beginning. The best days are just ahead. This is the launch team. This is not even the church. Close your eyes with me right now. Let's just pray. Say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Open my eyes. Help me to believe. Help me to see the walls where I'm, where I'm stuck and where I'm blocked. I don't know what God spoke to you tonight, but as pastor was preaching, he said five reasons why God is blocking your prayers. And I know the Holy Spirit was speaking. I know he was talking to you wherever you are. I want to give you the opportunity to respond tonight. God, I've disregarded my wife. I'm so convicted in my heart. Will you say, yes, God, that's me? Would you confess that to him? God, I've asked selfishly. It's all been about me and what I want and my desires. God, I just admit that. I'm, I've been pursuing my own plan. What else did God say to you? Just let's wait before him for just a minute. Say yes to him. Where was he working? What did he say? Respond to him. Don't say no. Don't say you have more time. You want God to hear your prayers. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We say yes to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us. I pray that you would use us in a great way together. I pray that we would get on one accord, that all of us, not even just us in this community, but Lord, I dream of using the body of Christ corporately across this city. Have us come together, Lord, in a way that 
that only you are designing. And together we would see lost people come to you. Lord, you are, your spirit is brooding over all the dark places in this city tonight. And I pray that you'd call us to walk in there and bring the light of Jesus. And I pray that you'd hear our prayer, Lord. Make us on mission with you. Give us a heart to reach people. Give us a heart to bring, be compassionate. Give us a heart to love people well and introduce them to you. And Lord, for the person who's here tonight who'd said, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, sir, ma'am, or young man, young woman, teenager, will you say yes to Jesus tonight? Jesus Christ, come into my life. I know that I need you in my life. I know that I've been doing my own thing, running my own life, been concerned with my own priorities. I've held you at a distance. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior tonight. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to walk away. I'm ready to lead the life that you have for me. And in your heart, say that, yes, God, that's me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you prayed that prayer with me before we go tonight, I want you to come. And I want you to come and meet one of the people who are going to be here at the end of this service. We're going to have people, we do this in every service. We have people who are prepared, who, who know how to pray, who have been seeking God, whose hearts are pure and, and whose hearts are dedicated to praying for you. They're going to be here all across the front. And as we go tonight, I'm going to invite you just to come and pour out your heart to God, whatever your need is. You could be giving your life to Christ. You could ask for prayer for your marriage. You could ask for prayer for finances, prayer for God to give you that job you're looking for. Pray for encouragement, not to quit, not to give up. Or maybe you just say, just pray for me. I can't even go into it. But it is normal to ask people to pray. It's humble to ask people to pray. It's what Christians do when, we, when the scripture says, pray for one another that you will be healed. So the prayer of the righteous are effective. So as we go tonight, I'm going to invite those of you who want to stay, just to stay and pray. Joel, if you just keep praying for a little bit, we won't turn on a CD. Just create the right atmosphere. For those of you who uh, need to go and the time is late, I want to say a blessing over you. Now unto him who's able to keep us from falling. To the only wise God, be glory and honor and power. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the power of God's Spirit be with you tonight. May the sweet Spirit of God linger with you as you sleep. May you hear his voice. May you respond to him. And may your answer be yes. I bless you in the name of Jesus.